0: Well, thanks for loving me and uh,
1: surprising me this morning. I actually want to talk to you about gifts today, uh, not knowing anything about uh, any of that. I, w- I want you to, uh, to imagine this scene with me. I'm thinking a lot about gifts because in our family, I just counted um, over the next, starting next week, for 14 weeks, in a 14-week span, we have all six birthdays in our family. Uh, Halloween, that's a big deal to my kids, you know, plus Thanksgiving and Christmas. So in 14 weeks, we're going to do Christmas Uh, we're we're gonna do Thanksgiving and we're gonna celebrate six birthdays. So needless to say, we're just in that season in our family. So I was thinking a little bit about gifts. Maybe in your context, you'll think about Christmas. Some of you, if I start talking about Christmas too soon, you're gonna freak out a little bit. So, okay, we'll wait a couple weeks on that. But imagine this scene, imagine a birthday party. Maybe, Maybe you don't do that, maybe you're not into that. But imagine there's a birthday party for you. There's all the presents, right, because you deserve lots of presents. All the presents are there, and, and they're, they're being brought to you, and you're opening them all. But there's one present. I mean, it looks good. It's been nicely wrapped and, and decorated, and, but, but it, it goes unopened. And all of the, the gifts and all of the nice things, there's one that's really ignored. Even though it has your name on it, it's for you. You don't open it, you ignore it. And in fact, as beautiful as this gift is, it it sits there season after season, day after day, long after your birthday is gone. And even when your next birthday, Lord willing, comes around, the gift sits there. And in fact, as nice as this gift looks, it's collecting dust. What a a ridiculous scene that is, right? What a ridiculous depiction. Who would do that? Even the most humble among us have given a gift. You're going to open it, right? It's for you. But I say that today because I want to talk to you about the present reality for many believers. The present reality for many believers is that we have something, we have a gift that's been given to us that for many remains unopened. Largely ignored, gathering dust, there today we're going to talk about the gift the gift of sabbath the gift of sabbath hey we're in the midst of a series we're two weeks into our series it's called building blocks what's this series about this is about helping us identify and strengthen the foundations of our faith if you want to know what's foundational to our faith Hey, lean in throughout this month because you're going to hear all about the foundations of our faith in this series called Building Blocks. I love what Pastor Olivia said last week as she introduced this series. She said, this series is for you. <laughs> it's true. If you're seeking faith, if you're a skeptic, if, you're not, if you don't yet claim to have faith in Christ, this series is for you. It's going to help you understand what we see as foundational to our faith If you're new in a relationship with Christ, new to walking with Christ, this series is going to help you lay groundwork for the journey ahead. And if you've been journeying with Jesus for many, many years, we believe there's still more work that he wants to do. He's still in the process of transforming us. And I pray and I believe this series will affirm, strengthen, but challenge you as you continue to lay a solid foundation for your faith. So last week we jumped in. Pastor Olivia shared about the foundation of prayer, right? Week one in our Building Block series was prayer. If you weren't here, if you didn't get to listen, uh, go, go back and listen online. Uh, we talked about the way Jesus prayed. The way Jesus prayed as he laid this foundation of prayer, as he taught his followers to pray. And this is what we did. We discovered in, in the, the message last week, tools, tools, to experience a more abundant prayer life. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I think many of us today, if we could, we would love to experience a more abundant prayer life because prayer is how we connect with God. It's how we hear from him. It's how he speaks to us and how we speak to him. So in the building blocks of our faith, prayer is the foundation. I never want to be in a place in my life where I'm, I'm happy with my prayer life. I always want to be seeking God for a greater depth of joy, of intimacy in my prayer So today I want to talk to you about the second of these crucial practices, the gift of Sabbath. That's what it is. That's what it is, a gift. That's what it's intended to be. Yes, it's a command, and we'll read that in a minute, but Sabbath has always intended to be a gift. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to lay the foundation for our message today, Uh, and we're going to read about uh, this idea of Sabbath being introduced in the middle of the Ten Commandments, right? And as we do that, as you get there, consider this, that that in the very earliest account in Scripture, the very early story of God that we read, uh, God creates and you know the story, right? It's there in Genesis 2. He creates every, everything, every, everything that we have, uh, all the earth, the heavens and the earth and all the creatures, right? And, and he does that in six days. And on the seventh day, he rests. Look at it on the screen again. Hang out in Exodus 20. We're getting there. But on the screen behind me, look at these words, Genesis 2. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all. His work. Think about that line for a minute. Underline that in your, uh, later when you get to it in your, in your scripture. God rested from all his work. In verse three, it says, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he, there's that word again, rested from all the work of creating he had done. As we go to Exodus 20, consider this, that God rested. The God who has unlimited energy I know some pretty energetic people in the room today. God of unlimited energy, unlimited resources, God rested. That should communicate something pretty powerful to us. And it lays a really important foundation as we get to Exodus 20. So what's happening in Exodus 20, uh, the Israelites have been in slavery for hundreds of years and, and God, of course, you know the story, right? He uses Moses to rescue them, deliver them from slavery towards a promised land. And so as they're journeying through the desert to the promised land, God has to define, redefine his covenant relationship with them. And so these commandments, these 10 commandments as we know them now, are his way of giving instruction, guidelines for them to live in right relationship with him. We're not going to review all 10 commandments today. You can do that later in Exodus 20, but jump down with me to verse 8. As we hear about the four. Fourth commandment where we're going to hang out uh, today. Exodus 20 verse 8 it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, it's the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you, your sons, your daughters, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, again, look where it's pointing us back to creation, right? Here in the middle of the 10 commandments, we're being pointed back to Genesis 2. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested, God rested. I'm gonna say it one more time. God rested On the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Sabbath is a fundamental command of God. It's not a suggestion, it's not an idea, it's not a bonus, it's not an extra credit. (laughs) There's no such thing in the spiritual journey, right? Of all the things that we could talk about in our series on building blocks, this week two is so important. We wanna talk about Sabbath. See, the question really we have to ask when we talk about Sabbath is the question of why. I talk about questions a lot. I ask a lot of questions. I live with four kids. I field a lot of questions in my life. But but I think the obvious question that I would have is why? Okay, yes, God commanded it. And so we should trust him and obey him because he's he's a good father and he knows what's best for us. But living in the year 2023, where this idea of Sabbath may just seem either old-fashioned or outdated or impossible, if I were you, I would just be asking the question, God, why? Why Sabbath? And as a church, why, why do we feel like it's that important that out of a five-week series, we're picking this as one of the building blocks of our faith? So, so I want to hang out there because I think that's really the fundamental question today. We'll get to the how later, how does Sabbath look? How can it look in our lives? But to understand the why... I I think we have to look and understand something about us, something about humanity, certainly something that the Lord understands about us. It was true then, it was true for Israelites wandering in the desert, it's true for us today in the year 2023. Why Sabbath? It's because the Lord knew how much we need rest. Rest. Again, I, I didn't even realize it as much, but as, we were, as I was reading Genesis 2 out loud, I was reminded two times there. It says, God rested, rested. There's that word rest. And the Lord knew something about us. He knew something about humanity. He knew that in our nature, we would fight and push back against this idea of rest, real, true rest. And when I say that, I just stop and go, rest. Listen, I don't have to tell you that we live in a culture of busy. We love busy, we celebrate busy, we applaud others when they're busy. How are you? I'm busy. That's the world that we're living in. There was a poll not too long ago that reported on Americans and relaxation. Can you guess how many hours a day the average American say they feel relaxed? How many hours a day does the average American say that they feel relaxed? The answer is 38 minutes. 38 minutes on average, people say they feel relaxed each day. And yes, listen, it's true. We have jobs and families and yard work and house projects and all the other things we do. Your list is long. It's longer than mine. I'm sure. I get it. But the reality is we fill our lives with busy. We find ways to fill our lives with more noise. We add busy to the busy. It's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Uh, I'm so guilty of this. Listen, I'm so guilty of this because I feel like I live my life in a hurry. I always wanna get things done. I always wanna get the most things done as possible. I wanna figure out how to multitask, right? I'm never just focused on one thing. I'm trying to do all the things at all times. And I'm in a hurry way too much and it causes way too much chaos in my life. I know this, I made a list. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've shared some of these things. Um, this is just some of the things that I've done because I've been in a hurry. I locked my keys in the car that was running. I dropped my keys in the toilet. I lost my keys multiple times, um, not aside from the toilet. I washed my cell phone in the washing machine, a full cycle before I realized it was gone. I sliced my finger multiple times while making dinner. I lost my wallet. I left my credit card at the gas pump, just in case anyone needed some free gas for the day. And most recently, two weeks ago, for three hours, I wore my pants completely backwards. And yes, they had pockets. It should have been very obvious. I didn't notice three hours later. So laugh at me all you want. I can keep going. Needless to say, I get in a hurry and it creates chaos in my life. Thomas Merton said this, the biggest disease in North America is busyness. Think about that for a minute. The biggest disease in North America is busyness. And I don't know about you, but it's a sickness that I certainly have far, far too often in my life. Technology creates busyness, doesn't it? There's another way that we do this collectively because our culture and our world are actually creating noise, creating busy in our lives. The average American will check their phone 150 times today. Let me say that again. I didn't say the average teenager. I said the average American across all age demographics. And this is true because when I eat dinner with my mom, she's checking Facebook. I don't know what's so important on Facebook in the middle of dinner, but she's doing it. I love you, mom. Uh, 150 times. The average American will check their phone in a day. You don't think that's true for you? (laughs) Some of you are like, oh, I haven't checked it in a while. I wonder what's going on there, right? Listen, I don't hate technology. It's a tool. It's a resource. I use it often, but the problem is we have technology in front of us at all times. Our brains are literally changing in response to the amount of overstimulization that we have in our lives. Our attention spans are shorter and shorter and shorter. The way that we consume, the way that we engage with face-to-face conversations is changing because we're so inundated with noise at all times. And we really can't blame everyone else. Because oftentimes we create the noise. We put the noise in front of us. We fill our empty spaces in our life with noise. You don't believe me? Pay attention. The next time you're in line at the store, pay attention the next time you're at a stoplight. Pay attention the next time you're in a restaurant waiting on dinner. Pay attention the next time you're in line at the coffee shop. Look around you by default. What does everyone do the second they have to wait? Pick up your phone. Now, maybe everyone at that moment has an urgent thing they need to communicate. Maybe every person at that time has, but but I've learned, I've paid attention to my habits. Even when we don't have noise, we add noise, create noise, fill space with noise. That's what we do. That's what we do. Listen, I, I was convicted. We are rarely ever present in the present. We're almost always, wherever we are, doing something else, thinking about something else, planning for the next thing. We're, we're rarely ever present in the present. Here's a picture that might look all too familiar when families gather around the table, right? We're living in a world that has never needed rest more, and yet we don't even know how. We don't even know how to rest, From the moment we get up to the moment we shut our eyes, we're busy, and we create more busy for ourselves from our earliest days, whether it's the American dream or our passionate focus on getting things done, we resist. We're taught not to rest. The God that created you knows how much you need rest. Why Sabbath? Why why did God command that generations and generations before now? But why, why do we feel in five weeks of talking about the foundations of our faith, why Sabbath? Because we need rest. And the God that created you and loves you and knows you knows you need rest. So we commanded it to have a Sabbath, a time that we guard, that we honor, where we intentionally teach our hearts and our minds to rest where we teach our families to value connection with God and others. We have a day where the goal of that day isn't to do more, accomplish more. It's a day where we allow ourselves the greatest gift, the greatest gift that for far too many of us is gathering dust. Pastor, uh, author uh, Mark Buchanan said this way, most of the things that we need to be fully alive never come in busyness they grow in rest. I'm going to say that again. This challenges me. Most of the things that we need to be fully alive never come in busyness. They grow in rest. So how does Sabbath work? How does this look? Maybe by now you're tracking with me. Maybe you believe this matters. Maybe you feel it in your life. Wow, I need this to be true. So, what does it mean? What does it mean to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, to honor it as God's best for us? How does it work? How is it possible? I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make, one that I've made far too often in my life, and and one that we can make, is we treat Sabbath like a rule or restriction rather than a pathway to experience life. And so as we're going to talk about Sabbath for the remainder of our time, I want you to, to hear these words, and I want you to think of this. Yes, it's a command of God, but not as a rule that's meant to restrict you, but as a pathway to life. If you're here today, and you're weary, if you're here, and like me, you're guilty, you feel like you're living your life in a hurry, if you're here, and you want to lean into God's best for you to rest, I want you to consider Sabbath as a pathway, not as a, a rules and I check the box, but a pathway, a pathway to life, to joy. We're going we're to be in Mark 2 because I want to hear the words of Jesus. I want Jesus to share his heart for Sabbath. It's helped me a lot this week as I've studied and prepared. And what's happening in Mark 2 is the religious leaders knew all about Sabbath. If there was an A+, they they kept all the rules and all the restrictions. They checked all the boxes on Sabbath. And in fact, we see time and time again in the Gospels, there's a a confrontation, a showdown between the religious elite and Jesus over this idea of Sabbath. And so that's what happens in Mark chapter 2. Jesus and his disciples are journeying, and they're walking through a field on the Sabbath. And the disciples, a couple of them pick off the heads of wheat, and the religious leaders are like, aha! Aha! How dare you work on the Sabbath? We caught you. <laughs> and it seems ridiculous to us, right? But yet there's a tension here, and that's, that's why I bring us to this passage. There's a tension here while we can say and understand that Pharisees are ridiculous. They just picked off a head of wheat in the field. At the same time, there's a tension here that any of us today that desire to practice Sabbath can understand I grew up in church, and for most of my life, uh, we avoided a lot of things on Sunday. That was kind of the Sabbath, as I understood it, in our house. So we avoided a lot of things. There were a lot of of rules, I'll say. We never went to the store. We didn't eat in restaurants on Sundays. I I played sports, and my siblings said, but we never played sports on a Sunday. If there were sports on a Sunday, we didn't play. Um, Neither of my parents had jobs that required them to work on Sundays, so they didn't work. Uh, Never did any yard work on a Sunday. So for me, Sabbath was, was the rules, the rules that you kept. And I'm not saying this to impress you that you think I was like religious or anything. And I'm really not blaming my parents, but I'm just saying I really didn't have an understanding of what Sabbath was. To me, Sabbath was just rules. Do's and don'ts. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But in my spiritual formation now, I understand that Sabbath is really not rules. If that's what we make it, then we've missed the entire point of God's best for us. And if you came in thinking that's what it is, and it just feels heavy and impossible and unrealistic in your life, it certainly won't bring you any joy. I say that to get us to Mark chapter two because I think Jesus's response to the Pharisees—again, Pharisees are being ridiculous. They picked a head of wheat. They broke the Sabbath. But let's listen to Jesus' response in Mark 2. It's verse 27 and 28. And I really think this lays the foundation for us on what Sabbath is all about. Listen to what Jesus says. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Jesus is stating his lordship, his authority, but, but look at it again he says the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath i love how the new living translation if you're like what does that mean right new living translation says this the sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the sabbath i'm going to say that again this is really life-bringing for you the sabbath was made to meet the needs of people And not people to meet the requirements of the, what what were the religious leaders doing? They were living their life to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You pick the head of wheat. When really, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. It was made to bring you rest. Not to live a a life of checking the box and legalistic heaviness, right? That the religious leaders have made it. And, And one of the problems is that that's what we've made Sabbath. For a kid, a list of do's and don'ts. That's what Sabbath was to me. But this, this command of God is not to, to weigh you down or to cause you to jump through hoops. It's a command given to give you freedom in life. So I want to talk to you in the last few minutes that I have. I want to talk to you a little bit about what this can look like in your life. Where do you start? Where do you begin? You may feel like you're so far away. Maybe you're far away because you've made it something that it's not. Or it, it just feels impossible. You're raising young kids you're working hard. A day to do less? I need a day to do more. I need more days in my week, Pastor. What are you talking about? So I, I want to just lean in with me for a minute. Let's take this journey together. So what can Sabbath look like today in your life? Well, first, it takes intentionality and commitment. It takes a heart that says, an attitude that says, God, I want to commit to one day of my week to be different. I want every day to be different, right? I, I, I need to learn to not be busy every day, but Lord, I'm gonna take one day of my week and I'm gonna commit that on this day, it's, it's different. It's not a day to be more productive necessarily. It's not a day that's to accomplish more and more and more. It's, it's setting aside a day to remove the noise, minimize distractions and give myself permission to rest. I want to challenge you today. If this is your heart, begin looking at the rhythm of your life. Begin looking at a day, a commit to an intentional day. Don't focus on a list of rules. Don't, don't start thinking about all the, the do's and don'ts. Just start by saying, what would it mean for me to have one day of, of my week? That's different. One day of my week that, that I honor, it's, it's, it's holy, it's sacred, because it's a gift to me from the Lord. Maybe that day isn't Sunday, because maybe you work on Sundays. Maybe Sunday isn't that day for you, and that's okay, but it means being intentional. An intentional day as you set some guidelines. I'm going to say that, not rules, and I'll explain what that means in my life. Some guidelines for me as I began to pray about what this would look like in my life. God began to show me some things about myself, many of them that I've already shared, but some things about myself that for me to engage on Sabbath, I want to push back against these. I want to push back all seven days, but specifically on Sabbath, I really want to push back on this. So the first thing for me is it was really important for me on Sabbath that it wasn't a day to accomplish more. It wasn't a day where I get up and I've got all the list of things in my head that have to get done today and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. Now I've got four kids so, there's probably very few days of the calendar year where I'm just sitting there doing that. But, but on this particular day for me, I, 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 wanna, I wanna remove chores and duties. I, I do everything I can to get all of that done shopping, errands, busy work, things in the garden. Whatever. I don't have a garden, whatever. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? All the other six days, I try to, I try to do those things. So, that on this thing, I, my first thought when I wake up isn't what do I have to do today? What do I have to get done today? Because I want, it, I want one day a week that's that's different. That's different. I prayed about that, and I, I began. The Lord began to show me it was important to have a second. It was important for me to have a day that I'm less connected to my phone. Again, I, I, I'm trying to practice that every day, but but one day a week where I give myself permission to put the phone down. <laughs> I'll check it every now and then, make sure something's not on fire somewhere or whatever. But but where I can be present, engaged. doesn't mean if somebody calls me, I don't answer, but it just means of the 150 times I pick it up every other day of the week on this day, I put it down and I let it gather a little bit more dust. doesn't mean I avoid technology altogether. If my family wants to watch a movie, I watch with them, but I do it intentionally, less distracted, less thinking about all the other things happening everywhere else except for where I am. Finally, for me, it was about being present. Sabbath is a day where I'm, I'm more aware of what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. I'm more present with the people where I am. If that means I'm reading a book, I'm more present reading the book. If it means I'm taking a walk, I'm more present taking a walk. If it means I'm playing ball in the yard with my kids, I'm more present with them in that moment because it's Sabbath. And for me, I want to honor that day by being more present. Yes, it means resting. Yes, it means sometimes I give myself permission to take a nap. But, but Sabbath isn't laziness. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's being intentional. It's being intentional. Now, do I get it right all the time? Nope. In fact, yesterday, Saturday for me, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday is typically my Sabbath day. And all day yesterday, you better believe, as I was trying, I almost picked up my phone like, wait, no, tomorrow I'm preaching on Sabbath. And I put it down. Yeah, so it's not always easy for me. I don't always get it right but I don't let it become legalism. I don't let it become a list of rules. Instead of these guidelines, I feel like the Lord has has invited me into how to experience better rest, how to experience more joy in my life, being more present with the people that I love, being more present with the Lord, being less distracted, creating less busyness and noise in my life. So what can that look like in your life? What should it look like? It will look different for all of us, and that's fine. That's good. That's what it means for you to honor the Lord with your Sabbath. Some of you are parents and raising kids, and this may seem absurd, right? So I would challenge you, take a step. Take a step. Pray. Ask the Lord to search your heart and show you the places in your life where you need rest, where you need a different rhythm. Begin by making a commitment to a time in the week, a day, that that you can set aside for the purpose of Sabbath. To each and every person, take a step. Make a commitment. Ask the Lord for wisdom to help you. Uh, ask Him. Stop feeling guilty about not being productive or connected every minute of every day. Exhale. At first, it may seem impossible, but listen if this is the Lord's desire for you, He'll help you. He'll help you. If this is God's desire for your life, He'll help you. He'll give you freedom. He'll bring joy. He'll he'll show you. Remember what the word says. And as the band comes, uh, they're going to help us conclude in just a minute. But remember what God's word says. Be still and know that I am God. It's hard for me to do that when all my days are filled with busy. Jesus said in, in Matthew 11, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's hard to do that when All of the other burdens are so heavy, day after day after day. Can I be direct? If you struggle with rest, if you struggle with relaxation, heaven is going to be a really frustrating place for you. I don't think it'll be an eternal nap. Some of you might be hoping for that, but I think the posture of heaven will be rest. Rest for your soul. Restore body, heart, mind, church family today, the gift is prepared for you and for me. The question for us is, will we receive it? Will we receive it? Will we do the hard work? Will we say no to the things that we need to? Will we guard against the things that we need to? Will we set some guardrails in our life to receive the gift that he has for us? I'm going to invite you to stand. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today as we respond and worship. Father, today I pray for every person in the room. I pray for those who, who felt like Sabbath was this legalistic checklist of do's and don'ts. And I pray today you'd bring life and freedom and joy that they would receive a gift. It felt like a burden. But today, may they receive the gift. I, I pray for the one. felt like this is an outdated concept. It's, it's too hard, too difficult in the stage of life they're in. I pray today you'd bring freedom. You'd show them one step at a time how you want to give rest. Lord, we need rest. Not, not just physical rest. Uh, rest for our mind. Rest for our, our soul, Lord. And, and that can only be found in you. And so I, I believe that right there at creation, you demonstrated for us. The importance of setting aside time to be present, setting aside time to exhale, setting aside time to be present and rest. Lord, I'm asking for your help for me. I don't have it right all the time. I don't get it right every week, Lord. So help me, show me. And together as a church family, we're on this journey of faith together. And so show us, bring life, bring life. As we respond now, as we pray, as we worship, may your Holy Spirit just speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at C-O-T-N-A-Z dot org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episode.